Welcome back to the Boardrail Podcast. My name is Kyle Bradburn, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Dixon. And tonight, we have the head football coach at Florida High, Jared Hickman, on. Yay! Thanks for coming on. Appreciate Um, it. Coach Hickman has been the head coach at Florida High for almost 20 years now. His special guest. <laughs> All right, let Bradburn know if he wants to have a coach's wife podcast, I can do it. We, we can do, do that. Uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll bite off more than you can chew there. We are we are not editing oh, yeah, that out either. I'll give you good stuff. Good, the good, ironing board drill. Good <laughs> We're not going to edit any of this out, by the way. We're no, just going to keep rolling roll. through. I love it. Let it roll. Um, so Jared Hickman's been the head coach uh, for quite a long time at Florida High. He is a two-time state runner-up. 10 times to the final four, 14 region titles. And out of his almost 20 years, they have only missed the playoffs twice. So super successful run. Um, Obviously coach, we talk about it all the time. I I know you haven't gotten over that big hump, but um, there's no one more confident that one day you're going to get over it than me. Um, Probably the biggest fan of your staff that you guys have um, outside of Florida high, but coach, thanks for coming on the podcast. We appreciate you on tonight. Yeah, man. I appreciate you guys having me and this will be fun. And, uh, let's not forget you were a part of helping build some of that, Kyle. So, uh, we appreciate your work, man. We never forget that stuff. I may have been the anchor that was weighing you down, but, um, <laughs> now you guys are just soaring in the sky. So it's fantastic. Uh, so tonight we're going to talk about two way players and the usage of that, uh, Florida high, like coach Hickman said, I was there at one point coach. Have you ever had, well, what's your typical number year to year of players that you carry on varsity? On varsity, you know, it's I would say between 38 to 45 is, is really good for us. Um, you know, we've probably been in that spot the last seven years, uh, maybe eight years. And so that that's a grid, good, really good number for us. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's not always been that way. Yeah, uh, no doubt. I, I remember there are years that you only had like 32 yeah. and, uh, and, and down in the 20s every once in a while. So. Um, talk to me a little bit about how many, real quick, how many two-way players do you guys typically have? You know, honestly, it's not as much as we used to have as our, as our school grew just a little bit. Um, and some of our philosophy changed, but always at a place at our size, we're going to have, you know, three or four kids, depending on the time period of, uh, of the year and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to develop, you know, play. And and there's going to be four to five kids that we can't live without probably playing both ways a a good amount of time. And so as you get into that knowing, and obviously in past years, you've had much more than four or five. um, Talk about how, you know, maybe even more so back in the day that you split practice time for those players that contributed on offense and defense. How did, how did you run that? What did a normal week look like? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say it still looks like, you know, a lot of what we did then, but, uh, you know, once we identify those kids who we think we have to to play uh, or at least certainly be ready to play as the, as the playoff run happens and all those things, um, we do a lot of that when they're younger on the JV level. Uh, we, we make them play both ways when they're on JV. Uh, you know, there are very few kids that don't go both sides of the ball when they're younger. So we can kind of look and see uh, what that development might look like, who really can help us. Uh, and then as they get older, uh, you know, we tend to split that up a little bit, but uh, a typical week of practice would look like, you know, Monday's a big install day, uh, a big film review day, uh, trying to really just get everything corrected and then put in. Uh, and then Tuesday is a defensive day for us. That is where our, our older kids only get defense. Uh, the younger guys actually go to offense uh, and kind of make it to work that way. And then we will finish with, with about 10, 15 minutes worth of offense where those two-way guys will flip over and we will rep 
uh, a lot of base stuff, uh, things that we have to be good at no matter what, when everybody knows it's coming uh, kind of things. And then uh, Wednesday's an offensive day. We flip that whole schedule, uh, get a lot of work that way. And then again, we'll finish with defense. Uh, and then Tuesday or uh, Thursday's that, that typical game, game walkthrough, trying to make sure they get both sides of the ball and, uh, you know, fine tune everything. Do you, uh, throughout the course of that week, are you guys making sure, you know, how do you make sure everyone gets sufficient reps? Are you counting anything? Or are you just saying, hey, make sure Johnny sees this five times or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think our defensive staff does a really good job of, of scripting uh, exactly what they would like to see, especially in certain situations, uh, you know, maybe some looks that, that if we get caught in this, you know, how are we going to react and how are we going to respond to this and, and making sure those, uh, you know, those starters and certainly those guys that are, that are two-way guys are getting those kind of looks uh, at any moment. Uh, and then same thing on offense. I mean, you know, uh, Ashton Hampton this year for us, I think is one of the best two-way players in the country. He's headed to Clemson. Uh, you know, he was a guy, I don't, I don't need to see him run slant routes and, and run certain things that, that everybody knows he's going to do. Uh, but if we're running some combinations, some, you know, some rub stuff, um, some things that uh, we've got to just work on timing, then, then he absolutely has got to make sure we get those reps and get them right. Yeah. No hey, Coach, um, oh, sorry, Kyle, go ahead. No, you got it. Go ahead. Hey, Coach, uh, one of the issues we always had was uh, with our players that went both ways, making sure that try to keep them as fresh as possible, being during the week and in-game. Endurance-wise, what do you guys try to do to make sure those, those guys are ready to go on Friday night and that they stay fresh on the field? Yeah, I, th I think one of the things we talk to our guys about, especially as they get older, is, is um, you know, how to manage your body, um, communicate to us. Uh, you know, honestly, it's been different. Ashton Hampton was a guy this year that he could play and literally, I think, for three years, played 120-plus snaps a game for us, uh, special teams included. Uh, but his body could handle it. He was in really good shape. Ronnie Harrison did a lot for us uh, as well uh, a few years back. So, But there are other guys, listen to their body, communicate. Uh, we try to limit them on Mondays. Um, a lot and just let them almost be a coach on the field. Um, again, I don't need to see them do a lot of the base stuff we're trying to do on Monday uh, unless it's really important. Uh, and then Thursday, same thing. You know, if they're an offensive guy, they're going to get that first scripted, uh, you know, series, and then, and then they don't need to be in anymore after that. Uh, uh, and then defensively, the same thing. Let's make sure they're in on a couple certain situations, uh, but not overdo it and then harp on them. Uh, about really taking care of their bodies. And if they're serious about being two-way players, then they've got to show us that they're doing a really good job of of managing their bodies and those kind of things too. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I think at times as football coaches in the past, not so much now in the future, but we haven't prioritized rest and understanding how bodies work. And sometimes rest is the best thing. And I learned yeah. that much as when I was a head track coach, it's like, look, just give them the day off. And I'm not saying I get you can't just give them the whole day off of football practice. But it's amazing if you just give them the day off of some of the high intensity stuff, how quickly a kid bounces back and you're like, oh, wow, he is full throttle now. So yeah, for sure. Becomes an important thing. So let's shift into game mode now. On a, on a game night, is there a specific criteria you use to rest players during certain times? Is it a feel? Is it a time of the game? Is it an opponent? Like, what's going on with that? Uh, to be honest with you, Kyle, it's win, man. Uh, I won't lie to you, you know, we're, if, if those guys have got to play, they got to play. Uh, if there's a chance to get them out in situations, if we're, if we got a lead, if we're playing well, um, you know, of course, I think we will try to manage their bodies. Again, I think those are things we talk about in our Sunday meetings, 
you know, hey, let's be really smart here with this kid if we get a chance to rest him. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you've got to win. I think this is a state that challenges you every week. No lead is safe. Um, and so I think you, you know, you're, you're trying to make sure that you're, you're winning uh, and doing all of those things because everybody puts in a lot of time and a lot of effort. But, you know, of course, if there are situations to get a kid out and rest, be smart. Um, you know, I think our kids, again, they've always done a good job just saying, Coach, I need a few. You know, um, if we had a long drive on defense, hey, let's get them a rest on offense here, you know, for a couple of plays, get a couple first downs. Uh, same thing, if we had a long drive on offense, uh, you know, let's be smart the first couple plays of defense if we can afford it to uh, to give those guys a chance. I know Kevin Helms, who's been with me, and, and Kyle, you know Kevin so well. He's done a great job of, of guys like that of, you know, hey, maybe we can keep them off the field till they get each, you know, 45, 50-yard line, and then, hey, it's it's go time. Yeah, we, me and him talk about that 45-yard line roll quite a bit. Yep. He said basically, uh, you know, it's not always in every game, but he really tries to hold to that rule as much as yep. he can where those kids are really fresh late in the game. Yeah, for and sure. He, and according to Kevin, you guys have been really successful doing that. So that's a pretty good idea of, of the way to do it. And, and having a mark, that way you know exactly when that switch has to happen. I think yeah. even the kids knowing it is important. Yep. Um, you know, I, I – very different. The the one year I was a head coach, Matt was at an eight A school. Um, you're at a smaller school. I was at a school with 19 kids. We've talked about on this podcast before. So my way of doing it was my timeouts were our break. Yeah. Yeah. Because every kid played both ways, so I had to really strategically use my timeouts. They weren't for the end of the game. My timeouts were for when my kids, like I could tell, they couldn't go. I had to burn one right then. Yeah, and sure. So it was really funny. Everybody talks about timeouts and your meeting and everything. I'm like, uh, I called a timeout. My kids came over and I'm like, don't speak, get water, relax. Yep. yep. Um, so it kind of, it, you can see those varying levels of, of things when you're pushing kids both ways. Um, so like you said, in-game performance can influence these decisions. Um, is there a, let's say, you know, you guys have been pretty good. Is there a number that once you guys are up that you start pulling kids or, or you start resting those things is there, or it's just feel of the game? Yeah, I wish it was that easy. No, I think it's just feel. You know, there, there's been some times where we were able to be smart after a first quarter, you know, and, and start really trying to say, hey, let's be smart, spot, use a kid, you know, kind of see how this thing's going to go. But uh, I think it's just more feel of the game because, again, we, we play some guys that, um, you know, we might even play well, but but they've got a couple home run hitters that, yeah, you know, you, all of a sudden you're up, you know, you're up 14, you're up 17, and then all of a sudden you're in a, you're in a one-score game. So <laughs> for me, it's always been feel. I wish I was a really good numbers cruncher and used a lot of the data and those things too. But, but uh, feel has always been good for me. And, and that's just kind of how I've done it. hundred percent, hundred percent. Matt, I know you have a few questions, right? I, I uh, I'd like to go back to one thing real quick, if we could. Yeah. Um, you talked about Mondays having, you know, your dudes be coaches, right? Yep. The guys that, you know, they're coming out they they know what they're doing. For the for the maybe the coaches that are listening to this that are maybe not sure what that looks like, could you kind of explain what you expect from the players of that day and uh, how do you communicate that to them? Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's it's part of my job to making sure that once they've gotten to that point, we 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 tell them, you know, look, you're the ultimate competitor, but at some point in time, we've got to give you a little bit of a break, and, and Monday's a great day to do it. And I think that uh, what our kids see and what our coaches see is a total investment by your best players. Like this kid is into it as a coach and he's telling you or making the calls or making a check, but he's not physically doing it. He's back by the coaches uh, coaching. And, uh, you know, I think it's we've got a lot of investment from our better players by doing it that way. 
they take a lot of pride and, and a lot of ownership that way. And uh, uh, obviously it gives them the rest that we're trying to get to, but, but everybody on that field can see that so-and-so is, is coaching and they're invested in it. They're paying attention. They watch film, you know, they got the checks pretty quick. And so uh, they can really see what's going on. So it's, it's been a really good thing for us both ways to get an investment part by our team and our players uh, and then ultimately rest those legs. And I love that. I love seeing players take ownership of their program. And uh, I think it builds a, a stronger uh, core when you do that. So I, I'm, that's awesome stuff, coach. Yep. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, when you got, again, when you have the investment and kids are coaching kids, right? We, we talk about that when we used to be teachers in the classroom. What was it? Student-led instruction was like a big thing with admin. Um, and there's a reason why. When you have older players that are out there coaching up younger players, it makes life a whole lot easier because you're instilling that culture that you yep. have, and it, it becomes a super important thing. Um, so talk about how you tailor your offensive and defensive schemes to to maybe capitalize on those specific skills by those dual role players. Yeah. I mean, again, ultimately those guys got to touch the ball. I mean, they're really good players are there for a reason, even if they're a tight end, even if they're, you know, an O lineman, we probably do it less with our interior guys nowadays than we used to, or could afford to, um, you know, it, it's become more skill position related than anything else, but um, offensively, you know, it's make sure our guys get a chance to touch the ball and make plays, um, you know, so when they're in, you know, I'm not running a kid on a ton of routes and he's not getting opportunities or he's out there blocking forever. You know, let's be honest, the kid needs to touch the ball. Let's get him the ball. Um, I think defensively, you know, again, our coaches do such a good job of where do they need to have an impact in the game? Um, you know, moving a linebacker from short side to wide side in high school because of the hashes, uh, certainly moving the secondary guys around to, to, to match up with the other teams, you know, better better uh, receivers. So I think that's a lot of game plan and, and how we want to use those guys. We would really want to make sure that productivity when we go back and watch the film is there and not look back and go, man, we missed some opportunities by not, not getting our guys a chance to make plays. Yeah, totally agree. And one of these days I'm going to convince Kevin and juice to run a corner blitz because <laughs> I'm for any, anyone knows me. I, I used to run like, I used to run it double digit times a game and it was fantastic yeah. in high school. Yeah. I've been trying to convince Kevin and juice to run it maybe for a decade now. I, I want to say they did later on in one of our games where we, we had a check just based on a formation that they came from the short side and, and uh, we had something late this year. You have to ask them, but, but I think we did, but you're right <laughs> to me in high school, the hashes make the game dictate a little bit about uh, where people have to go or what they want to do. And uh, because they're so wide, Coming from that corner blitz, uh, yeah, it doesn't take long to get there, and uh, uh, it can you can do it well. And boy, those guys are athletic. I love blitzing guys that can run now. So real quick, when you talk about the two-way players and deciding their role, did they have a primary position where if maybe they were slightly banged up and you only had to play in one way, you know, this kid is definitely a wide receiver or he's a DB or he's a DN. You guys have that going on at Florida High? Yeah, hundred percent, and that happened to us a lot this year. You know, I'm, uh, yes, I know, we, know you know we had a ton of injuries <laughs> early in the season, and so once guys came back, that uh, you know, for an example, we had a really good receiver DB kid that started both ways in the spring, had a shoulder injury in the spring, and we did not get him back till about week six or seven. And once we did that, we basically said, you know, because of some other injuries he had to only play offense kind of the rest of the season. Um, and we absolutely did that on both sides of the ball. We've done that for a while now that um, if it comes down to it, we've got to decide where he can best help us. And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll probably stay mostly on that side of the ball, especially week to week, 
uh, you know, as you get to the end of the year, you've you got to kind of cut it loose and play ball wide open. But uh, we've definitely did that this year and, and, and have had to do that in the past. So that kind of is a nice segue right into the next question is how do you guys handle injuries during the season? I know this year particularly was a little tough on you guys, but talk about how you handle injuries with these two-way guys and how you shift guys around and, and what you've done. Yeah, I mean, again, I think if they're two-way guys and they're banged up, um, you know, honestly, we try to rest them as much as we can, get some reps here and there. Uh, we had a couple of receivers with hamstrings uh, that also played nickel or DB. And so, <laughs> you know, we just had to be really, really careful with how we manage their bodies all year long. And again, I wish I was good enough to do a lot of the innovative things where, you know, you're counting reps and counting those things with what's going on today. But uh, I think we just can build a relationship with our kids because, most of the time we've known our kids since elementary or middle school, you know, guys speak up. If, if you're being bothered yeah. today, you've got to say something so that we can rest that body. We had to do it late in the year with our running back because we were down to, to one veteran running back with some good young <laughs> kids um, who was also our starting safety. And, uh, you know, I know Kevin didn't rep him much in practice on defense, just made sure he knew what to do if we needed him uh, because yeah. he was having to carry the ball 18 to 20 times now on offense because we lost, uh, you know, the Danzy kid. Uh, who was a yep. elite for us all year long? Was that seven? Uh, no, seven's the receiver. The Danzy Danzy okay. kid's the one that's going to FSU. That's okay, the, that's right. The yeah. fastest kid in the country. Uh, once we lost him, we had to really adjust some things all over the place. Was hey, he coach, the kick uh, returner? Sorry, sorry. Yeah, no. run, running back, kick returner. He's the kid, the four hundred meter, two hundred meter kid. That uh, coach, real quick, how many yep. kick returns did he have this year? Number seven had, I think he had five. He had four games oh, in a row. Okay. Four in a row. Uh, four in a row, four games in a row, and then I think he had five total. What are you doing kicking to a kid after he's got three yeah, in a row or it's, two well, in it's a high, row? High school ball, man. High school ball. They, uh, <laughs> you know, we adjusted. We, we moved him around. We, we did a pretty good job with our schemes, I think. But then there's sometimes, man, like they don't know where it's going, some of these guys, if you don't have a kicker. so I couldn't believe it. I, I've watched some of your film because you let me be on your huddle. And I'm like, they kicked it to that kid again. Yep. What are they thinking? Yeah. Um, so Matt, go ahead. I know you had another question. Yeah. I just want to kind of talk about the off season training. I know we tried to do a lot of position specific stuff in the off season. Um, how do you gear that into your program for guys that, you know, you got a lot of guys going both ways. How do you work those guys through your off season? Yeah, no, that's a great thing. And, and, uh, that's exactly what we try to do. We do a lot of uh, position specific stuff. Um, honestly, a coach has a day during our off season. If, if uh, the DB coach is a Tuesday, everybody in our, our uh, program knows that, you know, that's a DB day. And uh, you know, they, they make their schedule to make sure that they get a chance to get out there and get those 30 minutes of, uh, of DB work. If they're a DB guy, young or old uh, you know, receivers might have a Wednesday or a Thursday. And uh, you know, we try to make sure we spend that time to get that good development. Uh, and the thing I think that we've done a pretty good job of is work around uh, multi-sport guys. I'm a huge multi-sport guy. Believe in it. Did it. Um, Help me. We want our, our skilled kids to be track athletes and, and all those things, but if they're baseball, but uh, if they can get over and, and get a part of that position specific stuff, like you're saying, uh, it's important. So if they're two-way guys, you know, we highly encourage them to get both. And fortunately for us, our kids are competitors. They love to work. Uh, so they don't, you know, they don't miss on those days unless they would have a game or a meet and, uh, but again, one of the things that I think is so good for us, and this is where I think it, it helps maybe more than anyone, is we make those guys play both ways when they're younger. And, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> we've seen them. We know who can have. So 
it happened this year where there were some kids, uh, line skilled kids who, uh, because they played corner or safety when they were a freshman, we brought them over and said, you got to be ready in case of this emergency. Or we yeah. had a week where we had so many linemen banged up. Uh, one of our, our starting nose guard came over and started the game actually at left tackle. Um, wow. He didn't play a lot that game, but we had him there ready to go. Uh, and again, he didn't practice much there, but but he knew the base stuff from from playing JV ball and uh, was able to help us out. A lot of veer that week, huh? Uh, it was against Madison, so <laughs> you know we, we we just went opposite of him, honestly. But yeah. uh, but he knew what to do, and, and he was ready. He's a physical kid, so. Uh, but again, I, I can't stress enough coaching those guys because we coach them all on JV. Uh, Juice and I are you know get on there. All our coaches coach those same guys, and then if they can make it to the JV game, I've got a couple JV coaches. But but for the most part, he and I are, are, are calling that JV stuff. Or uh, you know Wheeler was a head coach for a while, so those kids are getting the system even when they're young. Yeah, so spinning back to – I know we're jumping around here. Let's, let's get back into the in-game stuff. How is it – because most of us coaches that have coached on on split unit squads where we just – I have all the defensive guys and someone has all the offensive guys. When they – in between drives, we're able to get them off, you know, yeah. under the tent, watch the iPad, communicate and all that stuff. How does communication change for you guys knowing that a kid may have to go right back out there? How do you get those key things communicated with your two-way players? Yeah, I think one of the things I try to do is go to those coaches and let those coaches know, look, when you can grab them, grab them. You know what I mean? That they, they may not get that information right away like the other group is getting it, but if there is a timeout, if there's a water break, you know, in Florida we get that water break. Yeah. Uh, whenever there's a stoppage of play to try to grab that kid and get that information to him, we may be on offense, but, uh, you know, if Coach Elms has got to come <laughs> out there and tell one of those receivers that's a DB, you know, hey, this is a change or an adjustment we're making – uh, you know, he tries to get that information to them. Um, if they're not on the special teams, but but a lot of our guys are, you know, try to get it to them then. So uh, really any chance you can to get that information to them, get it to them. Uh, but again, I think those guys are elite players for a reason. And uh, they're pretty good about making those quick adjustments themselves. Or, you know, you can tell them something once and they're pretty good about it. Those kind of piggybacking off that question. Um, there becomes a lot of situations in games where you got to make sure every you know the correct personnel is on the field, right? Yep. Uh, so that takes a lot of communication between the coordinator, the assistants. What do you guys have in place to kind of aid yourself in that? Since you guys got com- a lot, since you have a lot of guys staying out on the field. Yeah, um, you know, again, I think depending on how the game goes in a field, early down stuff has always been big for us to make sure we have or getting those guys a rest if we feel like we need to. Um, you know, we're so multiple on offense with so many different formations. Um, sometimes they don't have a choice. If, if we're in spread, you know, whatever, um, and those receivers have to go, they have to go. But uh, if we feel like we get a chance to, you know, maybe give them a breath, uh, run the ball here for a minute, stay in some ace, stay in some, uh, some base personnel to give them a break, we'll do that. Uh, but again, same thing. It just depends on how the game's going, what the feel is. And, uh, you know, sometimes they don't have a lot of choice to, to not stay out there on that field if that's the case. But if we can early in a drive, I think has always been big for us. Let's get them, let's get them two or three plays that, that may go a long way. Yeah. Talk about um, when you're, you know, you're prepping for the game, you have all these game situations we always talk about as coaches, right? And so when you don't have a full week, and I know you just have that day, are you guys getting a lot of situational stuff in with those with those guys, those players? Are you saying, 
hey, here's our, you know, here's our third and long play, or hey, defensively, here's our Hail Mary defense. Let's make sure to practice this. Let's practice backed up or in their territory, red zone, all this stuff. Are you able to get enough time in those game situations weekly? Yeah, I think so. No, you're exactly right. That's the best time to do it. You know, look, we make sure when we're in red zone, you know, if I've got big receivers and, you know, again, I'll go back to the Hampton kid this year, you know, he's got to make sure he gets those specific type things because we're probably going to target him a good, a good bunch in that area. So, you know, we asked him to move around from a receiver standpoint this year. So people couldn't double him um, certain games. And so uh, he absolutely had to make sure he got those reps and he knew what to do, but Again, I didn't need to see him out, you know, middle of the field, drive starters, you know, some of those easy things that we were working on. And I think it's the same defensively. If if we're in our nickel package and we're trying to do certain things that require him to communicate or be a big part of it, he's got to be in. Um, but if it's not, you know, again, we're constantly trying to get our younger kids ready to go, um, especially early in the season, because, again, we think it's paid dividends for us down the line to have that depth late in the year. Um, and I think our coaches do a really good job of that during practice. You know, hey, let's throw these young guys in in certain situations and, and get them ready. See how they react. Absolutely. Yep. How has uh, having a bunch of two-way players affected your chemistry? It's been good? Yeah, I think it's been good. You know, um, you know, kids want to win, man. So, <laughs> you know, I don't think it's been as much. Again, different years require different things. And so in 2022, when we lost to Coco in the state final, uh, we did not have a ton of kids going both ways for a while. And then as the year went on, we, we kind of started implementing more this year. Uh, we, we had a bunch more going both ways, especially at the skill position. So um, yeah. chemistry is good. But again, those kids went back to playing positions they played when they were younger that we got a chance to see. Again, I'll go the Danzy kid. He's, he's an elite, you know, one of the best running backs <laughs> in the country. But he also played a lot of safety this year because we didn't have the depth. And, and, and it was a really, really good safety for us. Yeah, no doubt. All, all that makes perfect sense. And, and how everyone interacts becomes such a super important part, especially if you're going to make the runs the way your team does. Um, you guys year in and year out are making a deep run in the playoffs, doing those things. So chemistry and how you handle all that becomes a, a really big factor for you. Um, so talk about player feedback. I know you briefly have said a couple of times we trust our kids and they tell us things, but how does that player feedback happen for you throughout the week and on game night? Yeah, that's, you know, funny enough, that was going to be my next question. I was going to say, hey, how's that influenced your coaching? And you answered that in that same question. So, uh, 
Good, good answer. Cause you covered two questions there. <laughs> yeah. And that feedback from the offensive line is incredibly useful during the game. Um, they, they probably have some of the best insight running the same plays over and over and over and seeing it on a daily basis and then going out to the game. Oh, here's what we expected. Here's what's different. It really helps you from the sideline kind of put your eyes into the game. Yeah, and you definitely uh, hit a nice touch there for for Matt being an O-line coach. I, I saw him perk up a little when you said, I love to go over the O-line and ask him. Matt was like, "Woo, what's up? Oh, that's perfect. Well, Matt, do you have any other, uh, you know, coach answered a bunch of my questions. I feel feel really good about that <laughs> and, and how now I know how to run my two-way, guys. It'll be perfect for if I ever go back into it. What other questions do you have for Matt? I mean, Coach, the success you've seen there um, at at Florida High, um, give us something that you can kind of attribute to that too. Like, um, I know you've had a very consistent coaching staff there. Um, you have a lot of good players, but when you look at your program, what are those key things that you can know you can hang your hat on at the end of the day and go, because we continue to do this, we're going to continue to be successful. And coach. is Coach Bradburn the only coach you've kicked off staff so far? <laughs> I was going to say that.
Oh, yeah. And can you put some perspective to your school? Um, I know you're in a little bit different situation than a traditional public school. You talked about your coaches knowing these players from the time they're young. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about your school and give some background on that? Coach, and I think you're pretty lucky from this aspect. Your two of your assistant coaches are also deans on campus, correct? <clears throat> yep. Yeah, that's it's pretty wild. <clears throat> Sorry, and awesome in such a good way. So, Coach, we end every podcast with this question. Um, I always tell the joke that at some point coaches are going to figure out what it is because they're going to listen, but no one does. Um, so what is the one thing <laughs> – <laughs> It's a coach. I appreciate the, uh, the nice lie there, but, um, what is the one thing that you guys do better than any other program that you can tell us, or what is the most unique thing that your program does that you can tell coaches out there? And don't worry, we always get long pauses after this question. So you can take your time here, coach. <laughs> so while you're thinking about it, Kyle, I know. Think go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, that's that's an awesome point. Coach, you know the other thing I love from the time I was there, I, I wonder if you still do it. What was the drill you did very beginning of practice? Um, so not that one, the other one, the hitting drill. I do like step riding. Yes, Seminole Alley. <laughs> <laughs> 
just real quick, Coach, kind of talk about that. I know everyone kind of does some kind of version of it, but I really liked yours when I was there. Coach and I used to love that because it got very intense very quick every practice. There were times when when I was there with those guys, and I can remember all between Calvin and Brandon and all those other guys when we were there, and it was, like you said, they only got one rep. So if they lost, they were pissed. And there was John for the rest of practice over that one drill, and it was awesome to see how intense and how, how much ownership kids had like that immediately in practice, and they were locked in. <clears throat> Correct. <laughs> hey, coach, Matt, I got, do you have anything else? All right. Yeah, I got another question. Um, I'm going to throw out, and it's more of a situational thing that always used to bother me as a head coach. And I'm sure since you got the kindergarten dads and, and those people around your program. What do you tell the kindergarten, the third grade dad that comes in and goes, what is my, how much weight does my son need to be lifting in the off season as a kindergartner? Yeah, 100% coach. <clears throat> that that dual sport mentality, we always just tell kids either you're going to go join another sport or you're going to condition with us. And uh, it was kind of a veiled threat. We didn't really want to do anything with them, um, but we wanted them to go compete in something else. So we had to almost give that like semi threat, like go do something else because we don't want to see you. Not in a bad way. We will come to your games, but we don't want to see you after school. <clears throat> so coach... Uh, that too. Love because that. if you don't say that, a college coach is. And that's the key thing. <clears throat> the first thing a lot of recruiters say is, why doesn't he run track? What else does he do? Why doesn't he run track? What are his times? What is his weight lift and all that stuff? So. Well, Coach Hickman, thank you for joining us tonight on the Board Drill Podcast. 
Uh, for those of you listening, you can reach out to us anytime. If you have any questions for Coach Hickman, it's the board drill podcast at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm told it's now called X at Board Drill Pod. We did not have enough letters for podcasts, so it's at Board Drill Pod. Uh, if you have any questions for Coach Hickman, any questions for me and Matt, um, or any ideas of topics you'd like to listen to in the future, we're open to any and all things. Uh, again, our mission statement here is to help high school football coaches across the country. So if there's anything as a coach um, or any kind of personnel that you'd like to hear, we will go find a guest who knows a lot more than Matt and I. Uh, because we'll tell you that we don't know very much. So we're going to find another coach like Coach Hickman that can answer all of those questions. Um, so until next time, thanks for tuning into the Board Drill Podcast. From Matt and I signing off, thank you. And Coach Hickman, thank you once again for being on tonight. <laughs> yeah, we thank toiled you, a long time over that name until we came up with the answer. So That's true. That's true. All right. Have a good night.